You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning there, brother. Good morning. How you doing, Gary? Oh, man, it's a daily struggle, brother. You know what it's like. It's I do my best. Sometimes your best is good enough. Sometimes it isn't, you know, but... Uh, you just got to put your best foot forward every day. That's it. And it's a daily struggle on top of it. So Stay I, positive. Oh, no, I do, but I take it one day at a time. Good. Um, are there any other cliches I've missed that I, I can fit in there? No, but okay. I, I will say along those lines of talking about putting your best foot forward and being optimistic, mm-hmm. something that I am very optimistic about right now, I've seen just life-changing results from clients, is with the equity in their homes. Oh, well, And th- sure. that's really what I wanted to dive into today was creating solutions okay. in your life around the equity in your home. Well, then how can equity provide a solution to financial problems? Yeah. So everyone looks at their home as a place that they're going to live and put their head down every night. But a home can also be a great financial resource for you if you know how to use it. So I really want to turn that question around to say, what problems can money solve? Because any problem that money can solve, equity can be that solution. So let's start out by just stepping back and defining like what is home equity and you know where does that come from? So defining home equity is the difference between the market value of your home, what it's worth today, what it could sell for today versus what money is owed against that home. Mortgages, liens, home equity credit lines, second, anything, second, mortgages. second mortgages, anything that's against that home that's on the title of that home goes against the equity. So a good example is like a $200,000 home. There's not many of those anymore, but Let's use that example. $200,000 home, $100,000 mortgage, no liens, no second mortgages, no lines of credit. You have $100,000 in equity. So it's the total value minus the money that's owed against it. For most people, the equity in their home is the biggest asset that they have. For a lot of people, especially nowadays, their home equity and the equity in the, they have multiple properties exceeds the amount that they have in 401ks, IRAs, life insurance contracts, all these different financial assets are exceeded by the equity in your home. So we can't ignore it. And for years, for even decades, there's a huge set of people out there that have ignored the equity in their homes. They just think, oh, I'll get to it when I sell. Mm -hmm. And they just let it build up and they let it build up. Meanwhile, they can't pay their bills. They're having issues putting food on the table. They're having issues making ends meet. They can't do what they want to do, what they need to do for their family. And they're what I call house rich and cash poor. So what I really want to hone in on here is how equity can be a solution, what it can be a solution for, the most common ways we can use it and how to get access to it. There really isn't any limitation to it. You can, it wouldn't be advised, but you could take money out of your equity to take a trip around the world. You could take money out of the equity in your home to buy another house like we've talked about or invest. Um, But 
you know, you don't want to use it, generally speaking, for discretionary purchases like just paying your monthly expenses or buying televisions, um, taking trips, cruises, things like that. And the reason why it's very attractive right now specifically is because the home values have gone through the roof. A lot of people don't want to sell their home because they wonder, where will I go? And will I be able to get as good of a mortgage or as low of a mortgage as I have now on a new home? So accessing that equity lets you tap those funds without having to sell your home. And there's people right now that don't realize that they can do that or don't understand how they can do that. This episode is for you. House rich and cash poor. I've heard that many times before. I think mm-hmm. right here oh, yeah. uh, right here on this show. What are some common myths, though, about, uh, I guess, maybe assessing home equity? Right. So the first or, thing... Or accessing it. Right. How do you access home equity and what myths are around accessing home equity? Some people don't realize they can access it at all. Maybe they just don't pay attention to finances. They don't understand mortgages or how equity can be used. And they think that the mortgage I have, yes, I can refinance, but they don't realize there's a special refinancing strategy, a specific program called a cash out refinance that allows you to actually get some or a big chunk of that equity out of the property. So that's one thing is just, can you access it or not? Yes, you can. The next thing is that a majority of Americans, I will say, even now with all the information and knowledge that we have with the internet, most are still uneducated about the different ways that they can or should access that equity. So I'm talking about the difference between a cash out refinance versus a home equity line of credit. And then there are now these companies called equity sharing companies. Uh, we could do a whole episode on those. They're they're predatory. They take huge amounts of equity out of your home and you have to give them a portion of equity when you sell or refinance. Ooh. So there's all these different options, right? Some are better than others. Some have good use cases. Some don't. Some are newer than others and unproven. But you need to know what's out there. You need to be educated. That's what we want to do. The last thing that I want to say on myths about home equity, at least for the moment, is that you have to start your mortgage all over again. Like, oh, I've been in a 30-year mortgage. I paid 10 years. I don't want to go back to a 30-year mortgage. I know I can get that equity out, but I don't want to go back to a 30-year mortgage. They don't understand. They don't realize that you can get a custom mortgage strategy. You can get a mortgage loan that's customized to you that can either be the same amount of time you have now or less time than you have now. You don't necessarily have to go back and start all over. Um, And I know that for years and years and years, many people have thought it's dangerous or it's reckless to use the equity in your home or that people must be in such a bad financial position if they need to access the equity. It's almost taboo. And we'll talk more about that. But uh, again, that's not the case anymore. And there's more equity right now today in the United States than ever in the history of this country. So these opportunities are more available today and more accessible today than they were 5, 10, 20 plus years ago or 30, 40 years ago when maybe our parents had equity in their homes that they weren't able to utilize in the same way that we can now. What are the most common ways, though, that homeowners can use their equity? Yeah. So like I said earlier, there's virtually no limit on what you could use it for. But the most common ways that I see, you know, I see these themes over and over again. I would say the number one theme right now is renovations and home improvements with people being in their home a lot more. And a lot of people having the realization that they're not going to sell their home this year. Maybe they're going to stay a couple more years or whatnot. People are thinking about how can I make this property more conducive for me and my family. Maybe that means adding a home office, finishing the basement, redoing the kitchen, adding a bathroom, renovating. 
uh, things that you have, like kitchens, bathrooms, etc. That's a huge reason that people are using equity in their home because they have it sitting there and these projects can be tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes more. Where do you have that money lying around? Why would you tap your savings or your 401k or your investment account when you have money sitting in your equity earning you nothing? Why not access some of that, pull it out and do these improvements to the home, which are then going to increase the value of your home, hopefully, which will then increase the equity that you have in your home. So it can be a great utilization of that. Next thing is going to be debt consolidation. I mean, I've been preaching this forever. Um, regardless of interest rates, debt consolidation loans are phenomenal. They can save people sometimes thousands of dollars a month. And I've seen quite a few recently that have had a spouse with a job loss reduction in income over the last year or two. They've had to use credit cards to make ends meet. Well, these credit cards can be 10, 12, 15%. I even saw one a week ago that was 29.99% on a credit card interest rate. Why is it not a, rec uh, a wise move to consolidate that into a mortgage at 4 or 5%. It is a good move. Why would you not do that if you knew how, if you knew where to go, if you understood these strategies? And then the last one that I want to mention on common ways homeowners can use their equity is buying other properties and investments. Right. I like they that one. Love that one. It multiplies your wealth. It increases your net worth. And you're using equity and money that's sitting there doing nothing for you, earning you zero if you can turn around and invest that money in a property that's going to kick off cash flow every month, in a business that's going to give you money or uh, you know a future retirement, whatever it may be. There's so many great ways you can use equity. But I guess the theme with these, these most common ways is that these ways are prudent. These ways are responsible ways to use equity. You don't want to be irresponsible, like we've been saying, vacations, discretionary spending, taking a trip around the world, buying televisions or <laughs> uh, material items. That's a bad use of your equity. That's not the most responsible, I should say. These ways we're talking about are ways to increase or multiply your net worth, increase your cash flow, put you in a better financial position than you were before. That's what you want to focus on when it comes to actually using that equity for good. I like that part where you either, either you could put it in a 401k, right? You could, Absolutely. You could put it in a, in a, in a, in for a retirement You could put it in a 401k. Plan. You can put it in different sort of investment contracts. Um, obviously, there's tons of business opportunities out there, private and public, that you can invest in. I mean, the financial opportunity right now today in this country is more than it's ever been. Now, I would never say you should put the money in cryptocurrency or something high risk like that, but there's definitely opportunity there to do that. Is that a good move or not? Time will tell, but it's very volatile. You want to have this money somewhere that's a little more stable and that's not going to fluctuate up and down so much. Well, you know, borrowing against home equity does have a stigma yes, for some people. It does. But why, though? Why? Yeah, there's. I've seen it start to diminish a little over the last year or two, but there still are people out there that have a huge stigma with borrowing money against their home. And I, I think of these clients in my head that told me things like, oh, yeah, I would never borrow against equity. I would never refinance. My parents told me never to do anything like that. So the first reason why it has a stigma is because these ideas have been passed down from previous generations. And I want to rewind a bit to the Great Depression and the way mortgages were during the Great Depression, much more predatory than they were than they are now. There weren't as many laws governing foreclosures and what they could do with your home if you didn't make your mortgage payment. So the previous generations that owned homes back in the Great Depression, so many people got foreclosed on after they didn't make mortgage payments. There were so many issues with having a mortgage that the, the, the uh, mentality became pay that thing off as soon as you can. 
Because if you pay the mortgage off, they can't take the house from you. So the mentality was, again, this is in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They were saying you don't want to have a mortgage. So everyone focused on getting rid of that mortgage, having a small mortgage, as small as you could, because it'll lower your risk. And that got passed down from previous generations, not realizing that in the 90s, and in the early 2000s, the mortgage industry completely changed. There are a lot of new products now that weren't available then, both good and bad. Uh, obviously, homes are a lot more expensive now than they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. We need to adapt to that. So we need to change that mentality. Not only listen to what our grandparents and parents said, but also look at what makes sense today. The next thing is that a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, have most of their money in their home. That's the biggest asset they have. So in their head, this is my retirement. I'm going to sell my home. I'm going to have all this money. When I sell it, my mortgage will be paid down or paid off. And then I'm going to use that huge amount of money to fund my retirement. But the thing is that the money sitting there in the home doesn't have a return. So if you just leave it in there, what if when you retire, the home is worth less than it is today? Then what? Wouldn't you have been smarter to take that equity out and invest it somewhere that it could grow or somewhere where it could actually multiply for you? So people think that's for retirement. I don't want to use it now, but they're really stabbing themselves, you know, or shooting themselves in the foot, I should say, because there are great uses of equity that you could use right now that then you could turbocharge your retirement with. So you really want to think about that and not just look at it on face value, but look further in and really talk to an advisor about how it could benefit you. Um, irresponsible use. People usually know someone or have heard of someone that use their equity irresponsibly. A uh, couple quick examples. You know, someone took the equity out of their home to start a business. The business failed. They lost their home or they can't pay their mortgage and they took all this equity out. So that definitely is a high risk way to use equity. Um, the other thing is foreclosures. So people took equity out of their home and then lost their job. They got foreclosed on like that, no matter whether you have a huge mortgage or a small mortgage, losing your job or having an income, uh, so, you know, something that happens to your income, whether it be one or both spouses, it's always going to cause financial turmoil. Wouldn't you rather be without a job if you had 50, 75, $100,000 in a savings account or in an investment? Or would you rather have that money in your home where you have no choice at that point but to sell it? You can't qualify for a mortgage because if you have no job or income, Getting a mortgage or equity line is going to be difficult. So people have heard these stories about the irresponsible use of equity, and they think, oh, I would never do that. I'm going to stay away from that. That sounds like a bad idea. And the last one I'll say is the last housing crisis. You know, there was a huge housing crisis in like 2006, 7, 8 timeline. Lots of people lost their homes. There was a lot of bad things going on. There were home equity lines of credit that were adjusting. People's payments doubled and tripled. There were adjustable rate mortgages people took out that were doubling or going up significantly. And they couldn't sustain those. They couldn't keep those. So they ended up having to sell their home and get foreclosed on. You know, you add all this up, it's no wonder that people have a stigma. But I'm here to tell you times have changed. You need to change your mentality. If we really step back and look at the wealthy, how do the wealthy use home equity? They're implementing the strategies I'm talking to you about. They're consolidating debt with their equity. They're buying multiple properties with the equity in their home. They're renovating and doing the reasons that we're saying are responsible is what the wealthy, what the ultra wealthy are doing with the equity in their home. You need to be looking and taking advice from people that are where you want to be instead of the old misnomers, the old advice that we were getting years ago. Rob, you started to do this. Um, I want to hear more ways and reasons not 
to use home equity. Yeah, because we're really focusing on how great home equity is and what a great solution it is for you. But what about reasons not to yeah. use it? So I keep saying it because it's just, I mean, this this client comes to mind that told me they had taken their family on a vacation to India. I think it cost around $50,000. They oh. paid for everybody, the kids, the grandparents, everyone. And it was an all-inclusive, like they paid for the meals, the flights, everything. And they were now in a situation where they had used up this big chunk of equity. So I don't think vacations is a good reason. Yeah, because once the vacation's the over, it's home. gone. It's there's done. no investment. Oh. Yes, emotionally, you may feel better about yourself, but financially, there's no return on that vacation. Discretionary spending, like we're talking about paying your electric bill, paying the you know payments on your, your oil or your gas or things like that, utilities, you don't want to be using that equity for those because there's a bigger problem there if you can't pay those bills. Equity is not going to solve that long term. It may help you short term, but we really need to step back and look at your budget if you're having issues paying those day-to-day -day gas groceries type of expenses. The second thing you don't want to use your equity for is high-risk investments. This would be like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, anything on the blockchain. I, I think right now where we're at, it's a high-risk investment. It may pay off huge, and I'm invested myself in those, but you know, it's a long shot type of investment, very volatile, much more than your average stock or bond type of investment. Um, high risk investments will also include like a startup business, startup company. You know, those may not work out. Most businesses do fail. That's the bottom line within the first couple of years. So taking money out of your home to actually like invest in your friend's business or a startup company, that's high risk. You want to stay away from that. The last one I'll give you is buying certain financial products. I'm talking about life insurance and annuities. So life insurance and annuities, great financial products. They have a great space in your portfolio. But for most people, using the equity in your home to buy those type of financial products is not a prudent investment at all. And the reason why is because the interest that you're paying on your mortgage is probably a higher interest than you're getting on the life insurance contract or on the annuity. So the numbers don't work out. It's not a prudent way to invest your money. There are certain estate planning specific uh, types of things where a financial advisor might say you should buy an annuity with this money or a life insurance contract because it'll help you when it, you pass away when it comes to like paying taxes and things. Those have their own place. But for the general population out there, the average Joe, buying annuities or life insurance contracts with the equity in your home is a recipe for a disaster. Just stay away from it. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can contact Rob personally. If there's, I know there's a lot of personal issues that we discuss here, uh, and you would want to meet with him one-on-one. 860 -413 3938. I'll repeat that phone number and give you the website and uh, ways that you can email him uh, uh, towards the end of the show. Rob, what are some, I guess, maybe more controversial ways that some would say to use their home equity? I know you don't like the high risk ones. I just heard you loud and clear. Yeah. But there yeah. are some controversial ways. I would say, because again, we're limited on time, I would say the number one controversial method, you know, that gets various feedback would be using the equity to buy multiple properties. An entrepreneur understands that. Someone that's wealth-driven and money-driven understands that that makes sense. But there's people out there that think that that's doesn't that, make sense. Yeah, why is that controversial? I think that's because kind of a, a they would say, no and I'm talking about the financial pundits out there, like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, that preach you know certain financial protocols. They would say, don't do that. Wait to save up your 20% down or your 30% down payment and then go and buy a property. Just borrowing against properties to buy other ones, it can be controversial, like we're saying. 
Um, the stacking method, which is just a you know, piggybacking on the buying multiple properties where you buy a property, you use the equity to buy another property, you rent that property out. A couple years later, you refinance, you use that equity to buy another property. We stack properties. Next thing you know, you could have three, four, five properties, multiple mortgages. I think it's a good method. I've seen it be successful, but like anything, if it's used in a way that is not responsible, if it's used in a way that's reckless, then it's not something that works for everyone. And there are many people, especially those that use that method back in the early 2000s, they thought the equity was going to keep going up and then it didn't. And they were stuck in a situation where they had to sell their properties or got foreclosed on. I've heard of a lot of things like that. So you need to be smart with it. But I believe in a prudent manner, if it's used, it can be very successful. I've seen it be successful. So just understand what you're getting into. Don't do anything that we're talking about without really stepping back and looking at it as a long-term perspective. Mm -hmm. This is definitely not get rich quick. This is get rich slow. But you can do it right if you've got the right team behind you to guide you through this. What role would you say that interest rates should play in the decision to borrow using these strategies? Right. So with interest rates increasing off the historical lows yeah. quite a bit over the yeah, last I know. few months, I saw it. it's definitely something that's top of mind because people are thinking, well, I've got all this equity. Great. But the rates now are so much higher than they were six months or a year, a couple years ago. So rates should play a minor role. I mean, we can't ignore interest rates because it is part of the equation, but it's absolutely not the most important. I would say it's probably like three or four on the list. Hmm. There are a lot of strategies and um, different scenarios where raising your rate can save you a lot of money by doing the things that we're talking about, like consolidating and buying other properties, adding on to your home or increasing the value. So those can actually make sense, even if the rate's going up, but it depends on your credit. It depends on you other financial scenarios with your retirement fund and whatnot. It depends on your job situation. What we really want to look at is do the numbers make sense? Okay. Do the numbers make sense? In the case of debt consolidation, how much am I saving? I had a client last week whose rate was going from like three and a half to four and a half, yet they were saving over a thousand dollars a month because we consolidated all their debt. Made total sense. So don't just look at it at face value and say, oh, the rates are higher. It doesn't make sense. Look at it from a strategic standpoint for your situation. Does it make sense for me? Can I save money or can I make money or create wealth regardless of what the rate is? How much is being saved or how much money are you getting? Is it worth it? Okay, that's what you really want to focus in on. These different um, strategies that I'm going through here and the different punch list that we're discussing should be gone over with a mortgage advisor before you make a decision to give you some clarity that this is the way that you want to go. Um, the other thing that I want to really hone in on here is future refinancing opportunities, because nowadays, almost nobody keeps their mortgage for 30 years, 20 years, whatever, however much time you have. And going back to, you know, the Great Depression mentality, most people did keep their mortgages for a long period of time, 5, 10, 15 years. I don't believe they offered 30-year loans back then, but they did offer different amortized mortgages. Um, so... The shorter the mortgage was, the quicker you pay it off. But look at yourself today and look at a future refinancing opportunity. Just because the rates are what they are now doesn't mean that they're going to be that in a year or two years. It's my understanding that we're going to end up in a recession in the coming year or two based on what's happening with rates and with the Fed with inflation. 
What that means is that somebody refinancing or buying a home today, right now, is going to have a refinancing opportunity to lower that interest rate and get into a better mortgage. The question is, is that opportunity going to be eight or 10 months from now, or is that opportunity going to be 24, 36 months from now? I don't know when, but it will happen, and you will have a great refinancing opportunity. So understand, the mortgage you get today, right now, is probably not the mortgage that you're going to have three to five years from now. And once you realize that, it really opens up this big box of opportunity because you're looking at it more of a short-term timeline. What's going to happen? Can I afford hmm. this? What is this going to do for me over the next couple of years versus a 30-year, 15-year commitment? So, But how often can someone borrow against their home equity? You talk about a timeline. Is there a timeline for this? Or? Yeah, so it really depends on when you have a large buildup of equity. If you just bought your home recently in the last year or two and you put a minimal amount down, then you you. I'm sure have equity built up, but you can't tap all the equity in your home. Usually it's depending on your property, 70 to 80% of the value is how much you can tap. And that includes the mortgage that you have now. So you can do the math on that and see for somebody only to get 5,000 in equity, it's usually not worthwhile. The, the amount of money that I start seeing where equity tapping makes sense is around that like 10 to 15,000 or more. If it's less than that, there's other places that might make more sense. But once there's been that large buildup, you can start looking at these options. It may be as soon as a year or two after you buy your home, just depending on how much of a down payment you put. If you're somebody that bought your home in the last year or two and you put 20, 30% down, then there's probably a great equity tapping opportunity right now. But most of my first time buyers, especially, they're putting these lower down payments. It's gonna be several years, like the average is three to five years before you'll have a, a good 20 to 30% equity cushion to actually be able to take advantage of these strategies. Um, my clients that have tons of equity buildup that are utilizing Utilizing these on an ongoing basis, it's usually once a year. You know, we'll do an annual review. We'll look at where their equity is, what opportunities they have, and if the equity can be a solution. So around one time a year, I would say, is a pretty safe bet, at least to look at it. And um, the other thing that you want to understand is the cash out refi by taking the money and putting it into savings or a HELOC strategy if you need to borrow multiple times in a short period then a HELOC might be a better option than a cash-out refi. I usually don't recommend HELOCs, especially now, but if you're needing to do things with the equity in your home that don't have a defined timeline or you don't need all the money up front, then I would either recommend taking a home equity line of credit or doing a cash-out refi doing a fixed rate and actually taking that money, putting it in savings or a money market where it's not at risk and it can grow a little bit at least. And then from there, you can pull the money out of that savings we and use it. We talked about that actually just earlier in the show. Yep. Um, and so it's it's still a good time to do a cash out refi despite, Absolutely. The, despite the feds going up in there. It's a great time right now to do a cash out refi, especially if it's something you're looking to do in the next six to 12 months. Now's better because we know the values are good and we know the rates are still But it good. was better a few months ago, right? That's what we've been <laughs> preaching, though. I know. You have been all along. And you actually, you don't have a crystal ball, but you're pretty darn good. You did predict a lot of this, so... Good kudos. Well, to I you. follow some really good an analysis yeah. uh, or analysts and really good economists to give me my info. All the more reason to make an appointment with you. And I'm going to show you how you can do that, my friends. Uh, simply go online to their website, uh, ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Again, that's ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. If you've got an, uh, if you've got a question that you'd like to ask, maybe we can get it even answered on this show, particularly sure. if you think others would benefit from it. Something very general, nothing, nothing too personal. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, maybe get it answered as soon as next week's show. It's simply email us at 
Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. That's simple. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And to make that appointment with Rob, one on one, sit down, talk about some personal, hey, you got some goals, you know, some financial goals, and, and you want to talk about your uh, mortgage. There's nobody better in the, in the industry for uh, a, a mortgage advisor. Simply make the appointment by calling this number, 860 413 3938. I'll say it again 860 413 3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next weekend, have it. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.